podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Duncan Mackay and I'm joined today by Craig Anderson. Hi Duncan, how's it going? Very well, very well. We're um, just all kicking off, isn't it? But it's not really. Uh, yeah, and, and it's just you today because uh, life is difficult, life is hard at this point uh, and things things get in the way, life gets in the way. Uh, so yeah, we're just going to be... Sorry, on you go. Like you're about to start a song like "Life is Difficult, Life is Hard." It sounds like you know, like a, maybe like like a really deep cold player lyric or something. Someone like that who's like tries to make these big deep songs. It sounded like you were you were dipping your toe into that that particular songwriting ocean. Just just wait until I learn how to play piano, and then it's then it's definitely <laughs> happening. Um, so yeah, this weekend we're going to be looking at the six games that took place in the Premiership. Uh, some were more meaningful than others, and I think we're going to try and do them in order of meaningfulness and and, and not start with a 6-0 scudding. Um, so yes, first game, Kamarnock 2, Ross County 2. How do you feel about that, Craig Anderson, now in the cold light of day, uh, after 20, 40 hours after the event? So so I think, um, so first of all, I think I was expecting a draw. I think I did the um, Patreon with Craig Fowler on Friday and I've kind of predicted either 1-1 one, one or 2-2. Two, two. I was pretty sure neither of those defences had it in them to keep a clean sheet. So um, it turned out right. And given that Kelly played quite poorly, it would have been very easy to lose that game. And losing the game would have been an absolute disaster. Drawing the game is not great, but it keeps, you know, Ross County are only a point ahead of us. Like, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. We've still got two home games, still got, you know, four chances to to get something and try and propel ourselves ahead of them and and did pull a point further away from, from Hamilton. And all of these things are positives, but the, the downside, I mean, the fact that we played badly is it's in itself a downside, but kind of I was I was uh, I was chatting um chatting offline to a couple other Kelly fans and making the point that earlier in the season we would have lost games like this. Like there, there's not a single game I can think of this season where Kelly have like stolen points. Like as in, like you know, as in got, got, goal away, or, you know, got away with perfor- get, get points above performance, I suppose. Yeah, it's been a lot of the opposite. I mean, the game it was two games against St Johnston at Rugby Park, leading one 0 going into the kind of uh, playing well. Um, Ross Millen gets himself sent off, and we chuck away two goals in the last ten minutes, including one like right at the death. Um, we were two 0 up against St Johnston, um, managed to lose three two. Two games against Livingston, where we chucked away like last minute goals. If we'd just taken a point in each of those games instead of like, you know, maybe over pushing, which I think we did at times, then um we'd be we'd be much better off. So so in that respect, taking a point from this is um a good chance. But when you lead twice, it's definitely a big missed opportunity. Cause I think I was looking at this and thinking, well, if we can win, then we play Dundee United um the next home game, you you could theoretically, you know, you know, be like four points ahead of them and Almost kind of looking over, you know, almost kind of thinking within two games you could get rid of most of the worries. Whereas 
looking at it now, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't go to the last day. Yeah, I or, think... Or, or certainly, yeah. certainly, if we are to stay up, I think it will go to the last day. It's possible it could be out of our hands from that respect. <laughs> like, like, in terms of catching county, I mean, before then, but um, I don't think we're now going to be more than three points ahead of them going into the last game. I, w- I would say that while watching Kamarak now under Tommy Wright, though, is a bit more enjoyable, though. There's clearly, obviously, the, the rival Lafferty, and we've, I think we'll, we've reeled out the stats about his uh, late in the season performances more, <laughs> more than enough already on probably every podcast that since, since Alan Temple revealed it. Um, but it just feels that there's. Uh, there's more chance that Kelly stay in games because the the front line is now looking a bit more threatening. Yeah, I mean he's just he's just very much kind of gone right. I want to play a four kind of four four one one type shape after kind of the the field experiment with a back three that um, they very quickly abandoned. Let's get a solid left footed left back, a solid right footed right back. Let's have someone with a left foot on the left, someone with a right foot on the right, and you know it's it's, it's all the simple things, but managers don't always do it. And and it has certainly brought yeah. There's now a plan and attack, so you know we're creating lots of chances and, and we're you know all sorts of different types of chances and we're scoring the goals as a result. The problem is fundamentally like we've got a, a midfield two who are clearly are and have been very good players, but lack dynamism and, and ages catching up with them. I think Dicker Dicker in particular, like who, who I'm a massive fan of, and I think is has been underrated for a long time by Kelly fans. I think um, his legs are starting, he's really starting to get caught out with, with kind of pace in behind. On top of that, we're, we've got a pretty poor defence. Like The defenders are not great. And then you're immediately kind of on the back foot and then you've got a goalkeeper that nobody has faith in, I think would, would be a fair way of putting it. I think that would be a very fair assessment given... I, I suppose those those two issues were were clear as day in the two goals that that you conceded the weekend. The, the first goal, um, I don't know who was meant to be <laughs> tracking Michael Gardine at all, and then the second goal comes from a from a fairly lackluster shot that that Doyle manages to put out for a corner, and then and then the marking at the the corner isn't great either. Um, you know, whereas you know the goal, the lead, leading goal you score is a fantastic technique from from Chris Burke. So it must be kind of frustrating in, in that sense that you're creating you know, amazing goals, but then conceding just slapdash nonsense. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it, that first goal and, and we've been making a habit recently of, of scoring early. We scored early against County um, through there, which we still managed to lose. We scored in the first minute against Motherwell. So these are things that I think are coming from, right, you know, get out, get out, get on top of them and make a really big start early on, which we've done in all those games. And you saw that and, and County didn't, County were, were struggling with it from the from the kickoff. And then, it, yeah, it, Bark wasn't getting picked up at all. And then he, he, um, yeah, he rattles in a really lovely finish and, and he comes up big in big moments, Burke up time and again. Um, he, he almost won the game at the end as well with that kind of shot that, that nobody was expecting. But yeah, then then it's a it's a big high ball into the box. That's what I mean. You, county didn't really work for either of the goals as much as they were definitely good value for the point. Like they, they were the better team, if anything. The goals themselves it didn't work for. It was a big, big long ball and white. Uh, sorry, not even white. I thought it was white at first, and I was like, right, that's fair enough. You can get beaten there by white. And then I realised it's actually Billy Mackay out jumps, um, out jumps Medley on the edge, 
And then Broadfoot, I, I can see what he's doing. He's in two minds because Gardine's coming towards him at a bit of pace. And I think he's thinking, look, I can easily make a tackle here, but bring him down, get sent yeah, off. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so he kind of takes the lesser of two evils, but it just looks like he's kind of ushering Gardine through to shoot, which, and, and you know, 10 yards from goal is not a good idea. And, and, and he, he does score. And then, yeah, you work work back into a lead. And, and Mitch Pinnock's been a bit of a revelation under um, under right. Him, that was, on that the, was one of my notes, <laughs> including that outrageous piece of skill. School. Yeah. You can scroll through it from this morning. There's a video of it, and it was. Well, I'd said at the time it was like reminiscent of uh, Greg Stewart when he was kind of at his peak. But the difference was with Greg Stewart, he then like would deliver a cross and find somebody for a goal, and Mitch Pinnock like smashed it straight at the goalkeeper. <laughs> but for the goal itself, it was um, it was a nice bit of skill, a nice bit of close control to get himself the shooting opportunity. And much like when uh, I've talked about Lafferty doing it, and, and maybe it's starting to rub off. It's better sometimes to take a bad shot but take it early and you just catch a keeper out and that's what you saw. It went straight through. Lee Boy should obviously have done better. And again, at that point, you're like, right, well, we'll and this is what, I mean, it's what happened in the Motherwell game. We went ahead, we chucked it, but then we got ourselves back ahead and we took control of the game and I was hoping the same was going to happen again, but but Kelly were, were awful from, from the point we went 2-1 up all the way through probably, I mean, all the way through to 70 minutes maybe, so, so through conceding the goal. You could see the goal coming a mile away. Um, as you said, Doyle should... It's always hard to criticise a goal, right? He made a save, but that free kick was not exactly flying towards goal. He could have not conceded a corner. I don't think he needed to save it at all, but if he, if he wants to do something with it, parry it out and away to the side or something, he puts it behind for a corner and, and from that corner. They highlighted on on sports scene there was maybe a wee nudge, but not not anything like enough for a foul. And it's far too easy. And I think it's Medley again who who loses the man. And uh, Medley's a funny one. He's he, he, I think he said he reminds me of Stuart Finlay when he come he came in at Kelly, which is that he has a lot of raw abilities and and he's quick and he reads the game quite well and, and all of that stuff. But fundamentally, as a defender, he's got a lot to learn, which is why he's playing for us. I think. Yeah. Um. And you've got that balance because he does offer him and he strides out of defence really well and he opens things up and, and there, there are benefits to having him there. But at the same time, he's costing a lot of goals at the moment. And, and where do you stand on that? Because he, he had another moment earlier in the game where he got caught caught on the ball, which nearly led to a kind of breakaway as well. So, so all in all, yeah, I think massive worries at the defensive end but at least we are scoring the goals which we weren't doing before so it's kind of there's positive and negatives there yeah I think that from a <laughs> from a club that has been relegated pretty recently uh, that is the concern is that you is when you're not scoring the other goals as well like you know it's, it's fine to be uh, you know if you're down that end you kind of be, expect to be losing cheap goals but it's if you're not able to do it, if you concede and then that's you out the game basically because you know that that you know, that it's going to be really difficult. So I suppose that that's the the one joy. And again, I, I, yeah, I would still I would still put I still feel in my gut that Kelly are a better bet to to finish tenth than County just because I think County just very streaky and I just yeah I think that um. Yeah, it's just I just don't I, I'm not entirely convinced. If it, I'm not entirely convinced that the the motivational process that John Hughes goes through is actually what they need at this stage, I think they need just be better organised. 
Yeah, and I, and I think they 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 have been a bit of a thorn in Kelly's side. Like they've played well against Kelly most of the games this season, the, the exception being the one they lost to Rugby Park. And I think they have. I don't know if we've just the right type of team for them in terms of you know not very good for a start, which will probably help. But <laughs> they they've certainly they've certainly had a lot. They've, they've looked a lot better against us than when I've seen them against other teams, and that's the hope I'm taking that you know that, that maybe they go into these subsequent matches and can't replicate that because I think on if they play like that, um, they they will pick up wins um, before the end of the season. But if they play like they played in the in the previous weeks, like if they played like they played against Inverness the Friday night before. Uh, I think they would have they would lose the remaining four games, which is what I'm hoping for. But um, yeah, I think that there's some. I think the the front. I think I think he's got the team in terms of the attack right. Is my feeling like I think as much as Jordan White takes a bit of stick, probably some of it deserved. He's a good big target, and Mackay gets in about the 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 flex Espe- on the especially end. for these final final games, like where you <laughs> with those two at least you know they're going to be in the game, like. Mercurial Ollie Shaw, that you know, like that can't can't force his way into a game, I suppose, in the same way that 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 White can just by virtue of lumping the ball up towards his head. And and Gardine is is always dangerous. He's ever since he played quite poorly for us. Every time he comes back to Rugby Park, he, he, he's excellent. Which he, he just does a power of running. Their defense is not very good, uh, and their goalkeeper is not very good. So they've probably got pretty similar problems to, to what Kilmarnock do. I think it's there are three bad teams and then I think actually we'll go on and talk I think there is actually a fourth bad team in the league but they have something that, that none of the other um, bottom three clubs do which is a very good goalkeeper um, and that's that's where we kind of stand I think and so yeah I it was it was a pro- probably a, fr- a better point for County than, than Kelly but at the same time I think County maybe slightly disappointed they didn't win yeah, I think that I think that's probably fair, and I think that's the kind of the impression both managers gave after the uh, in the, their post-match comments that they both felt they could win, but also weren't utterly devastated to leave with a point. Um, I suppose we, that that we need, need move on to the other team that's currently sitting twelfth uh, in the in the league, and that's Hamilton. They were defeated one nil by Dundee United at home. Uh, Mark Midnulty uh, freebie, basically, essentially. Um, you know, there was a. I, w- I was quite looking forward to this because I'd heard uh, Brian Rice before before I'd watched the highlights, uh, you know, and his reaction, and he was saying, you know, if we uh, if we have got performance like that three four times a season, we we wouldn't be w- where we are. And I kind of then watched the highlights and thought that's more worrying because I didn't feel that there was any. They didn't create that many clear cut opportunities, and there was a lot of effort. But I I come to expect that from from Hamilton. I didn't I didn't see the um, I don't know the the difference between that and a, a, a than than Hamilton being quite unlucky against a lot of other teams. Yeah, I think I so the, the fourth team I was saying that weren't very good. I think it's Dundee United. I think um, they have some good players, but fundamentally, and you saw it again in that game. If they don't have Benjamin Segrist this season, I think they are. 10 points worse off maybe more uh, pro- yeah, potentially more yeah yeah um, and, and would be it's right co- in that. It, it's probably covering a multitude of sins right in that mix but, but yeah I'm gonna, there's no doubt for me since January they've been a much better team um, a much better team but what they've actually struggled to do is get wins they've had a lot of draws and then 
it's a fine line because your draws either turn into defeats or they turn into wins and, and this turned into a defeat, a game that they probably will feel they, they should have got more from and and it's not a time of the season for hard luck stories, I guess. It's not like, you know, nearly, nearly you know, when it's in August and you're like, oh, we played well and we could have, you know, we, we should have won. You kind of go, all right, okay, well, next week's there. But <laughs> when you've got four games left, it's very much like that, that no longer becomes... Useful in any yeah, way. Yeah, it's that it's that thing when you get excited by managers talking about um, you know what what I'm looking at what what I prefer seeing was the performance level rather than the result. That uh, this time of the season, um, I would I would take the lowest performance <laughs> going as long as you get the result because ultimately that's all that matters at the moment. And that would yeah that would be a slightly concerning for Aki's viewpoint. Yeah, and um, the the goal for me the problem I have with it is I. I quite I don't mind teams playing about at the back, and I think like people get, you know, get too worked up about it because most of the time it, it doesn't lead to mistaking. What it does is it draws the other team out. You create openings. You know, you you're a bit yeah. patient. They get frustrated. You 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 kind of pick them apart and stuff like that. So I don't mind that. What I if I was a manager, I think I would always be saying to my team is if you have one scary moment and a move, that's plenty get rid of it and think about it next time. Because what happens is, you know, one bit of sloppiness like naturally leads on to another one because then, the, so so Hamilton gets nearly gets caught in possession um, and he plays the pass on, but then everything's a wee bit rushed from that point yeah. and then the pass goes back to Gourley and he's under more pressure than he should be. I think as soon as Hamilton gets worried, um, he plays it infield, I can't remember who, is it Martin? Maybe it goes infield too. He just needs to empty it. Instead, he plays a pass and, and yeah, I mean, None of that is to excuse Gourley for what is an abysmal kick, but it can you almost can see these things coming sometimes. And I think, you know, yeah, it's always for me, it's like play it about, but if you get away with one, don't take a further chance. And I think they took a further chance and, and they were they were punished for it. And it's a lovely piece of quick thinking from Fuchs to send to send McNaughty away. And it's a nice finish, isn't it? And they'll be pleased with that goal done the United. It did somewhat feel like it was the only way they were going to score was with a um, a mistake. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. They they really didn't offer. Well, judging by the highlights, anyway, they really didn't seem to to offer that much. Despite you know, sh- despite having aspirations of being a top six club, I suppose. Yeah, I I, I don't buy this of because they're just newly promoted. They can be happy with you know just staying up. They're they're not. Livingston, they're not Hamilton, they're not Ross County coming into the league. They're, they're still Dundee United. They're still probably sitting with a top six budget. So, so you know, finishing seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever it is, is fine. It's not a bad season because, yeah, they they, they do have to adapt, you know, to the Premiership. There's, there's a whole ton of things going on. And the worst thing possible for that club would have been to have gone back down after, after the money invested in coming back up. But it doesn't make it a good season I don't think it's by any stretch a good season for them they should be higher up they have some players who should be at a higher level but they've they've got some players who are not up to it as well and I think they'll, they'll be one of the teams that can kind of take away their season but yeah it was fine but I would hope that Mellon has just decided right I'm just going to make sure we don't get relegated this season and then he's going to build because if I was a Dundee United fan I don't think I don't think I would want to watch that team play like that again next season. You would be looking for new, more exciting players to come in. 
Yeah, and I th- and, and you're, you're winning, but just by the skin of your teeth a lot as well. I mean, that was you know that they didn't look all that impressive against a, a, a struggling League One side in Partick Thistle, and got very very fortunate to to get out of that. And you know, really probably sh- shouldn't be in, or they should at least have been going into extra time uh, at the very least on that. Uh, and then again, you know, it's a, another on a on a on a plate. A chance that gives them a chance to, to to beat Hamilton, but yeah, they didn't really offer much beyond that. Again, you know, we talked about uh, or we referenced Seagrest being excellent, but again, there wasn't anything that was truly remarkable. It's just <laughs> it's probably just telling the standard of bottom six goalkeepers this season. I think that he looks good, he looks impressive because he does a lot of the basics very well. He, he makes saves. He, he, he <laughs> yeah, actually they don't go through him. Yeah, basically they're running through things like that. Yeah, I, I think that would be the talking to the goalkeeper situation. I think that would maybe be the biggest worry for for Hamilton as well. It looks like Fulton's probably not going to be back this season. He's by no means an amazing goalkeeper, but he did He's sneak into the boys' top twelve when they did it. And and Gurley, I think, is as a backup for Hamilton Ackies is what you expect as a backup for a team that's probably got one of the lowest budgets in the league he's probably a competent goalkeeper but I don't think he's going to save you any you know he's not yeah. going to win you points and stuff like that and you could really be doing like like when Hamilton Ackies stayed up those seasons the first team and they always had Thomas Cherney and, and he would win them yeah, he, he, I, I suppose Cherney is is almost a Seagrist for yeah. the new generation and, and they do seem to be falling apart a wee bit in terms of having players available. They seem to be losing players, Hamilton, at the worst possible time. For them, they'll maybe... I, I don't buy it kind of, you know, oh, you, you don't want to be in the cup and all that, but they don't have... You know, Kelly Kelly have got the, the cup and, and we'll be hoping for a decent run with the draw that we've got. Aki's and County don't have to worry about the cup, so they have an extra wee um, period to maybe get some players back to fitness and stuff like that, but... It will be interesting. Yeah, I I am more confident of them not catching us than I was probably a couple of weeks ago. But they're only two points behind. It's not like you know, it's not yeah. a big gap. They, they could, but I suppose they're, they're going to go into they're going to have a week off and going to be or or t- ten days off. But they're going to be dwelling on the fact that that's probably one of their best. Their managers come out and said that was their best performance of the season. That would be slightly alarming, I think. Um, and then I suppose we should we should conclude the the uh, the roundup on of the bottom six on Saturday. Uh, Motherwell beat Saint Mirren in one nil, and what seemed like a a pretty uh, entertaining game, all all tools. But again, nothing to play for. So <laughs> kind of that you know, the Motherwell are pretty much safe. Uh, you know, Saint Mirren are like there's yeah, like there was. Um, it was just a game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think like Motherwell, if they'd lost this game, they would have they would have looked like they were in a bit of trouble and they, they would have had a worry. But I think it would have surprised me if they hadn't at least won one game after the split. Um and and they're yeah, now 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 I'm pretty happy to call them safe. I think it is between three and Yeah, something miraculous has to something really bad has to happen now for Motherwell. Yeah, they, they would need to lose all four games in a in a, a combination of results as well in the other one. So I'm I'm happy to give them the safety and I, and I think Alexander uh, deserves credit for coming in. Um, as much as I think he, he seems like a strange man, um, <laughs> he's come in and um, re- steadied the ship. I'm pretty sure Robinson would have kept them up anyway, to be honest. But the 
steadied the ship. He's got them the, the victories they needed and they can now look at building for next season. They'll probably have to replace quite a few of the players. Um, you know, um, I assume Gallagher will not be there. I assume Campbell will not be there. Um, possibly some of the others as well. And so they have to rebuild, but they've got the freedom to do that and, and they've probably got a decent enough budget and, and you know that I think their, their playing budget this year was, was as high as it had been for, for many years um, and they also have now have a manager who is used to shopping <laughs> in that market the Motherwell seem to do a lot of their work in yeah so so I think they'll, they'll be happy enough that you know they've, they've, they've done the job it was a nice it was the type of goal you you, you Expect from Cole, um, you know, he just pin- pinches one. It was a bit lucky, but you know, much, much like his dad, they, they seem to just be in the right. They seem to be in the you've right got, place. You've and, got to be there to score them. Um, and and I was going to say a good save from Kelly from the penalty. But it <laughs> not wasn't. really, to be honest, it was an awful penalty. What what did you make of the um, the penalty itself? Like, I think it was. A, I think it was a penalty. I think that O'Donnell uh, doesn't. Doesn't get his feet right. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't set himself properly. And so there. He, he as soon as he he commits that leg, it's it's all over. Um, I mean, it's it's not the most outrageous uh, you know foul that's been that's been given this season. But I think it's just he. he just, you could tell that he um, when you saw it in the replays, he just he for some reason got his body slightly confused, and he wasn't sure whether he wanted to show him down the sideline or or have him come in and kind of got caught between them, and then that was where the leg sort of reaches out to try and take him to take the ball. Away. Yeah, it, was, it was like he was kind of falling backwards, but it does it does worry you if he if he's um, defending Dylan Connolly like that as to what what he'll be up to in the when he comes up against like Raheem Sterling or something in the in the summer, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that, we all I know Nathan Patterson's going to be taking this job. No. <laughs> uh, uh, I think uh, I think they should have had another penalty before that St Mirren as well. I think it, it was it was a pretty clear handball from Crawford. You could see why it wasn't given because uh, his body literally completely obscured. Was it Kevin Clancy's view? Yeah, of it. Um, so you can see why it wasn't given, but that probably should have been a pen. But if McGrath going to hit penalties like that, they could have had five penalties and it would still have been a clean sheet. Um, so yeah, I mean, Samirin, I think it's natural. I always think when a team gets so close to the top six, they fall away because it's like they're deflated and um, and I, I don't expect them to, to take too many more points before this, you know, they'll win a couple of games, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, ended up finishing eighth or ninth now. Um, yeah, I do I do find it odd that there's there's some, I think because St. Bernard put so much um you know, so many balls in a basket in terms of reaching top six that is naturally going to be quite devastating. And, and I don't think that Goodwin's the sort of manager that can then fake it, I suppose, and come in and be like, well, that's actually what's important now is we win the next five games and you'll give us, like, you know, I, I just don't think that is where they're going. And, I, you know, I think if you're St Mirren, I think it's time to start looking at what other youth prospects you can start to blood and sell to, to Hibs uh, next season <laughs> and, uh, and and stuff like that um, and just start thinking ahead to next season like how like what because they are very close to get making that thing making that leap into the top six I don't like but again at the same time until they do it it's all it's going to be a, a perennial problem for them because it'll be they'll be not seen as bottlers but you know you do need I'll be interested to see who who uh, 
who Goodwin goes into the market for this summer because I think they need that. I think they do need some sort of steeliness or experience type thing. But again, I don't know whether where they're going to get that from. But then they take they signed it. They signed it. Like Brophy, so they 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 are shopping in a market of like obviously it didn't work out, so he got injured. But they are obviously they obviously do have the money to chuck about there because yeah, because they didn't they didn't wait they didn't hang around from yeah yeah a player you know like that. So they they do have I think they do have the money there um, behind them, and and I think I think you can see them building something, but it's very easy for these things to fall apart, and especially when you know you you are always susceptible to losing players. Any any club kind of outside any club, especially outside the kind of, you know, big big city teams and you can lose your you can lose a player at any point for an extra two hundred quid and it, it's it's always part of it. It's very hard to build anything. So I'm always I'm always wary of making like long term predictions because you know a couple of injuries and they could be, you know, back down in the relegation scrap next season. But they have been an impressive team on the whole this season. I think once they shrugged off the kind of COVID issues at the start of the season. They really put a run together. And it's clear to me Goodwin knows what he's doing. He may not be a manager for a top club at any time ever. I think he probably won't be. I think he's maybe maybe never going to win enough games to be a kind of, you know, top level manager or a manager of a top club. But for a St Mirren, I think he's a perfect manager and I, and I expect them to continue to do well. But as I say, you never do know. Yeah. Well, that that concludes the the low road in the the Premiership. We should probably uh, go to the top six now, and I suppose McDermott Park is the next place to go because Aberdeen keeping the keeping the fight for uh, third place alive with a one 0 win over St Johnston. Um, I mean, not a not a gripping game by the looks of it, um, but that would be uh, you know difficult for. Uh, for anyone to surmise ahead of time that two turgid teams might, uh, two turgid teams that are sometimes struggling to score might not uh, turn turn out a goal fest. I think um, you could have told me that was a St. Johnson Aberdeen game from earlier in the season just being replayed, and you could almost have just accepted it. St. Johnson seemed to have got over that thing of kind of playing quite well, building up, and not really taking their chances um, over the last few weeks. They'd obviously to get themselves into the top six, they'd put a run together. West kind of came back again. It came back again there. They, they played really well, but they just, you know, they didn't get it over the line. And then Aberdeen, you know, scored a goal, maybe not quite out of nothing. Like they wasn't like they weren't in the game at all, but were probably second best up until that point. But but then St. Johnson didn't trouble them enough um, subsequently. And Aberdeen are, for all their flaws, they are generally good at seeing out games. And, and you saw that from them um, as yeah, well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they, um, Again, just St. Johnson. So it feels like obviously now that now we're onto the fourth time that clubs are playing each other. That there is, there there is a kind of a lack of sometimes new things to say. But um, yeah, uh, St. John, uh, Aberdeen. I think they're, they're not. Uh, it doesn't sum up the season in microcosm, but I think it says quite a lot. I just remember one point because I paused it, and it was um, McGinn's cross in the first half. And he uh, and he's looking for Hornby, and I paused it just at the point. And, and McGinn's out of shot, but what you, what you can see is there are seven St Johnston uh, players plus uh, plus the uh, goalkeeper, and only Hornby in the box. And then and then there's two Aberdeen players, you know, outside the box. And you uh, that nearly surprised. Like if you've not 
like that, no wonder you're struggling to score goals <laughs> if if that's if you're if your players that are meant to be sporting the striker uh, are already writing off the first chance coming you know they're, they're looking for the second ball but they're not pressing the space either enough to make it so the defenders or or midfielders that are back will make mistakes well you, you look at that like that situation you mentioned and it's like well what what constitutes a successful piece of play from now again at that point he's clearly he's clearly not going to he's clearly not going to get a goal out of horn because he's the only striker surrounded by you know it's it's not going to happen so then it is like, well, it's demoralising as an attacking player and that's where the confidence goes because then you look up and you're like, well, what am I doing here? What, what's the point? Why am I chasing 60-yard balls? Yeah, yeah. And that's when you start seeing wingers turning around and passing it to the fullbacks and stuff and that's what annoys people. And I think that's been the problem with Aberdeen for a while was like, they've not been a team that take chances. Um, and I don't mean that as in the way St. Johnson didn't take chances. That's a team that don't, they're not a team that takes risks. Mm-hmm. And that gets them, you know, they grind out a lot of victories, but it, it costs them in the big games because to beat a better team, you usually, you know, it's, it's kind of nothing ventured, nothing gained. You need to sometimes take a risk and it can be a calculated risk to try and create a chance to try and make something happen. Otherwise, you're just constantly relying on mistakes and set pieces and that's what they've done a lot and that's why they consistently, despite what I... Was always say played. They generally played all right, or a lot of the games against Celtic, for example, they played all right. But they didn't get results inconsistently because, unlike other teams, Celtic didn't have, at the time didn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're kind of like playing about in front of them, and it'd be interesting to see how Glass addresses that. As I say, I, I think it's going to be not quite a disaster. I think he, I think their performances will be much worse under glass overall, but maybe you add a bit of variability to them. So, you know, yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll probably perform worse overall, but maybe they'll, you know, get the wins they weren't getting before and that could win them a cup or get them through in Europe because they're a bit less reliable yeah, and, and I, predictable I, I, in I, a bad way. I think you're right about that. I think that I think that um there might still be further low points to come before there's a point of recovery. Um you know we, we've seen that a lot, but that it's it's it can be difficult um, for fans to to buy into that narrative that you're like to to rest the slide. Sometimes you've got to go further, uh, further down. Um, I, I think we should we should talk about the quality of Matthew Kennedy's pass for for Hayes's goal. I mean that was terrific. I think that um, I, it's just, I love that sort of punched pass. If that makes sense, like it did. There's a it feels like there's backspin on it, but there's not quite. I think. Uh, Rooney should have done better. I think when you've got two two men back, that Hayes has not been prolific this season uh, and doesn't necessarily have the same pace that he once did. It was kind of he, he kind of knew what he was wanting to do, so it should have been defended better. But I'll I'll also give credit for just them not expecting to be split by such a good ball. I think that's sometimes the thing when you're, you're talking. For example, you're talking about Rooney and and could he play for Scotland and stuff like that. It's like well that type of defending is probably absolutely acceptable a lot of the times because, as you say, there are a few players in the Premiership who can play that type of pass. So what that means is he can actually steal that extra yard in the other direction so that when, you know, when usually whoever the winger is um, in the Scottish Premiership like scuffs the pass five yards to the other centre-half, he's actually already setting away on a counter. Yeah. Or he's, you know, he's well-positioned for the next piece of play. But what you sometimes find is that as the quality of the players go up, all of a sudden he's having to learn, well, actually, I can't be here. 
Um, and so it's, it's going to be interesting as a player as he develops going forward if he goes to play at a higher level which I have a feeling he will because of the physical attributes he has as to how he copes with that because I think you know he was playing you know well League 2 with Queen's Park to begin with and then um, you know played a bit of Championship maybe League 1 as well and then um, this is his first season you know in the Premiership and, and he's had a lot of praise but there are Negative to his game, and I think you maybe saw enough of him that defensively he's still got some way to go. Um, I think Bryson should have closed down um, Kennedy better in the first place. I think it was a bit of a powder puff effort. It, it almost felt like a, I'm not going to take a foul here. You know, I talked about yeah. Godfrey waving um, guarding guard yeah. past him. It's much less acceptable to do that when the team's on account and attacking you're outside the box and you're only going to get booked <laughs> for it I think just take the yellow um, but then yeah the, the quality that, that's me being negative and picking out the defending errors but the quality of the pass is, is tremendous and his times he's run really well and it's a really nice finish it's a perfect I know it's everything we talked about and it's again the same thing he does take the risk by making the run he goes beyond um, he goes beyond because Rooney going the other way is always going to cause you problems so you are taking a risk but he makes the run and yeah, Kennedy is it's a pass that deserves the, the goal. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only other thing to add from that is that St. Johnson did have chances. Kane should have buried that. I mean, I think that I think you know we've we've all said our piece on, on Chris Kane over the years. But again, you know, that that's gonna you know I don't know if if, if there's any point in saying it, but you know, like you, oh, if St. Johnson wants to go further. You need to have someone that's a bit more clinical than that. And even Ali McCann's chance late on, I think, you know, a better striker off the ball would have, would have got the equaliser in that part. Yeah, I think Kane, the, the thing with me and Kane is always like, you can see how much he brings to the team. And you saw in the cup final, and you saw in the, the semi final against Hibs as well, how much he can do for the team. But again, then you see, well, that's why he's at St Johnston. And it's why he's unconvincing for St Johnston at times, is because, well, he has a striker and he doesn't score enough goals. Um, so th- there's always that balance. But yeah, it, I think they they will probably not be able to upgrade on him, if you know what I mean, because he's probably, for for what um, for what Davidson wants from his striker, he offers so much. Yeah. But the type Just of player the- that offers <laughs> a wee bit extra, they can't afford. So it's always yeah. that kind of, you know, it's that stri- stri- striving for perfection. So Davidson will just be hoping he can maybe make him better at the things he's not good at. Yeah, sharpen, sharpen is, uh, is the, the, the the tools that are not quite as, as used as often. But yeah, um, we should then, uh, uh, you know, penultimate game of the weekend, the, the team that uh, Aberdeen are challenging for third, Hibs went down 2-1 to the Champions Rangers at Ibrox in, on a Sunday televised game for reasons that, I'm not quite sure why it was Sunday at three o'clock. Was it just that the, the Rangers could potentially have been playing in Europe? Um, I thought it was just because Celtic were at home. And oh yeah, that was also. What, I know yeah. that. I know there. I know there was not fans there, but yeah. I assumed that. I assumed that was why. So, so uh, I guess I can ask. I can ask you a couple of questions on Hibs on this. Um, how did you feel? My view was that Hibs were a wee bit too passive to start with. Was that what your take was, or? Yeah, they were they were too passive for two periods that were a bit far too far too long in in the game. Um, especially you know, especially the joy that Hibs were having um, on the right hand side. Barisic had possibly his worst game he's had 
uh, in a Rangers jersey. I, I'm, I'm not can't say I've, I've got an encyclopedic knowledge of every appearance he's made, but um, Boyle and then Boyle and Cadden really gave him a gave him a hard time. Um, but there wasn't you know, the when there was such an obvious weakness in how Rangers were playing on uh, yesterday because the left hand side or the hips left hand side you know, was a bit of a ding dong between uh, Doig and Patterson that was really entertaining but the, you know nothing it was kind of they were cancelling each other out um, that hips were not focusing on that weakness that Rangers had so yeah especially the second goal is is a, is a is, a prime example of that in terms of just sitting off too much, being a bit too passive with the Rangers midfield. Rangers midfield were able to carry the ball far too long, uh, you know, sometimes 20, 30, 40 yards uh, through the pitch, um, which is, you know, I can understand what Jack Ross was trying to do. He was trying to stay in the game and and, and make it you know, difficult for Rangers once it got to a certain part. But I mean, that's the, that's the fourth time and you know, we've been relatively good against Rangers, but we've only taken one point out of 12 in the end. And that's that's uh, slightly disappointing. I mean, again, there's a possibility the Rangers go unbeaten this season, so you can't, maybe maybe it's a bit churlish, but I think there have been certain moments when they've been there for the taking, but this is not the not a swashbuckling hip side of previous. But then again, they've not taken a hiding that much of Rangers this season either. So, Yeah, I, always get, I do always get like a a bit of a McInnes vibe off of uh, Ross sometimes and that he's, he's safe. He's sometimes too safe. And I think like you, you look at the, the first goal, that whole move should be played about 15 yards further up the park, at which yep. point Aribo doesn't get the goal because he gets the ball 25 yards from goal instead of like where he does. But you can understand, you can understand, you can see what the positives of like inviting Rangers on are because I think it's where they can be got at. You saw the pace in behind um you said about Barisic, Goldson didn't necessarily look too clever at times as well. And Boyle probably has a couple of really good chances and Hibs are very good on the counter and do pick the pass as well. And on another day, perhaps, you know, it's an Ivan, an Ivan Sproul day where, where he's swapping Martin exactly, Boyle because yeah. you could see the, the how open Rangers were even when they were 1-0 up. Um, I mean, I don't... There was, you know, two, three pretty good chances in, at the end of the first half. But if you don't take those chances against Rangers then you know frankly you're not you're not going to get a chance and okay yeah the second goal kind of killed it but uh and even when Hibs got one back I didn't really feel like we were going to even even with the disallowed goal later on like it just it didn't feel like Hibs were really they were in the game but it, it didn't feel like they were in the contest if that makes sense yeah, that, that's kind of the, the view I got. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I think if they can keep a hold of, of a couple of Irvin in particular I think Hibs will be. I think they'll finish third this season, but it might be quite tight um, because you know, it's, Jack, it's, it's Jack Ross. Big games. They've got a big game against Aberdeen. The, the record against Aberdeen's not great. All of that stuff. Yeah. And you do as much as Aberdeen are, are bad in these games. You do just sometimes fancy them to you know pick up a win against uh, Rangers or something or Aber- or Celtic or. I, th- I think uh, yeah, I think Aberdeen is going to be a curious one. I think they might go on. A- it could go one of two ways, you know, like, or it could go, it could go, it could go many ways actually. But um, yeah, you you do wonder how. I mean, there's nothing to say that Aberdeen might not win. The, I mean, I think highly unlikely, but they could theoretically win the last four games now that they're unleashed under. You know, then they're all ready to impress, and uh, you know, the, the the good time vibes are back. But again, they could, I could you could easily see them losing the next four uh, next four games as well. 
But what I was going to say is, regardless of what happens this season, I would have Hibs as hugely strong favourites for third next season because I think they've got we've got consistency with the manager. I don't think I think it work in their favour how it went with Ross at Sunderland, even though every other manager at Sunderland's not done anything different to he has. Um, he will almost certainly still be Hibs manager for the entirety of next season, and he's. I- I would, I would agree. The only the only difference it might be is how Europe pans out. But again, you know, if it you know, yeah, if it goes really well or yeah, really badly, no, um, I think yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that I think part of the key of Hibbs's settledness, I suppose, more than anything, has and, and, and someone that seems to be not being getting a great deal of. Uh, praise or anything like that, you know, which I found was slightly odd over the last week when we had the AGM and stuff like that, is has been the recruitment done by uh, done by Graham Mathy. Um, it does seem quite odd that he he seems kind of excluded from that when it's clear that he is identifying quite a lot of these players that are coming to the club. Yeah, and you, I mean, he did a he did a podcast with uh, with Joel about this time last year, I guess, or it was certainly during the lockdown. And he had been linked with the sporting director or whatever the job is at Kelly. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's an Ayrshire guy, yeah, yeah, yeah and he, he's um, he's kind of got some some connections. Um, his, well, his dad was heavily associated with with Kelly, um, and at that point, um, I think it's his dad anyway. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, listening to him doing that podcast with Joel, I was like, you could definitely tell it was kind of one that had got away, kind of thing, um, and. He, yeah, he's he's a very impressive sounding person, and you can imagine him convincing players. To, to sign for Hibs as well and, and Ross probably is cut from the same cloth and they have recruited very well um, there's, been far, there's been far fewer duds than, than a number of teams and Hibs's generally general average duffness uh, signing uh, that, go, that he, he goes on normally um, but, but yeah so I think I think there's a lot of positive from Hibs and I think you can see some of what Ross is trying to do with the team um, but but yeah I feel it was a missed opportunity Um the the header from this bit I thought was was excellent. Um, Goldson maybe gets caught a wee bit out by him, but I don't think you expect a player to be able to run across the front post and do that. Yeah, no, Nisbet will Nisbet look <laughs> a completely different player from the Nisbet that played on Monday night against Queen of the South, where it was kind of like, oh, you're here. Um, you know, I think he was he was very. Uh, very much up for it and, and very involved, and sometimes and sometimes he just isn't. I think that's just, that's just part of his game. Um, and again, on on the Rangers side, this I don't think there's anything, anything new to be said. You know that they've they've done what what they've always done. I think to be honest, I, that that would be my slight concern was the um, the Golson um, Barisic space the, the, you know, that access that access even uh, would be something that if you're a Celtic you would probably be looking to exploit again if you've got um, if, if James Forrest is, is fit um, because it seemed that they really did struggle with, with Boyle's pace and any sort of overload in that area I'm pretty sure Celtic will win one of the remaining two games against them um, I don't know which one um, and so I, I feel like it's going to be next week. I think Rangers will probably probably end up unbeaten, but they'll they'll not win the the, the cup and kind of it'll almost feel a wee bit of an anticlimax for them. Mm. Um It'd be quite funny but, if Celtic yeah. knock them out and then also do not and, win. And this, also so lose. That's what yeah. we're all hoping for. Yeah. Um but yeah. Yeah, a family fight, so, I mean, but they, not actually. It's so hard to t- we've waxed lyrical about them. They're a, they're, a, they're an excellent team. They're one of the best 
Um, definitely over the last decade or so, um, Scottish teams probably probably the only team you'd see are definitely better than them are the the Celtic Invincibles. So of course they could they have the opportunity to actually match. I think still that record if they win the last four games. Um, so, so they are a very good team. It's just yeah, as you say, you've run out of things to say about them, I and especially in a game like this, which was a bit um, you know. It, it, it does have stuff riding on it, but it's hardly like high stakes the way it would be in other seasons. Yeah, or, or, absolutely. With a crowd there and with, um, you know, a bit earlier in the season and stuff like that. Well, I imagine, yeah, let's, I, I don't really want to imagine what yesterday's game uh, would have been like with a crowd following uh, the news on Friday. So we'll, we'll skip on to the, uh, skip over to that. Uh, and then, to, yeah, to Saturday's game, Celtic uh, absolutely drubbing Livingston 6-0. Again, another one game where it's not that much to say about it. I know it sounds, I know it's, uh, it's going to sound bad, and Celtic fans uh, they don't listen to us anyway. But that you know that um, that you you see your performance like this, but it, it kind of feels a lot like Hearts has win on Friday as well. It's all a bit after the Lord Mayor show. It's like, yeah, I mean, where was this performance in November? Where was this performance in October? Like, and again, I'm not entirely sure how much that was down to how good Celtic were versus how much of a really bad day Livy had as well, because they just didn't do the fundamentals that make them Livingston. Yeah, I mean, it, it had the feel of a training game. Like, it, it just, it was, all, it was all slow. It was all, it was very easy for Celtic to pick apart Livingston. And it was just, yeah, that, that it makes it so hard to engage with the game, to be honest, because I'm like, if I know Celtic have won 6-0 and I sit down and I see like that from Livingston, I'm like, why am I even bothering to watch this and it's I, I kind it's of weird because there are sometimes six nils that Celtic have put on in the past where actually you feel uh, you feel for the other side because actually it's just, they've just been sliced like you know a butter through knife sort of thing that Celtic have been so good but I didn't think I know it sounded ungrateful but you know I don't think Celtic really had to work that hard for the six nil nah and and Livingston is a worry now. Last t- after that big run that they went on with Martin Dale took over the last ten games is uh, six defeats and only two wins, and yeah, the, they'll have a few worries. And, and one of those wins was against Wraith after extra time as well. Um, so they'll and have that's him with worries. keeping a settled side as well. That was about fourth fourth game in a row that they've um, they've played the same starting eleven. And and again, is it just a case of for Livingston? It's all just about trying to get through to. Yeah, get through to the summer and do more but, recruitment. But as much as that, you know, there's this story of whether they might or might not get a license for Europe. You'd think like fifth place is a big is a big target. You know, playing in Europe is still something that you want to try and do. And and I'm pretty sure every Scottish team targets that. You know, is is a possibility, is a way of potentially getting some some revenue, but also kind of in normal times attracting fans along because it's a bit of a, a different game and also just you know raising your profile as a club um, and yeah I mean I think I think for Livingston you know if, uh, a good run in Europe could be again it's, it could be a bit of a game changer for them you want to say like you, that just by you've seen it that the, there is a um, what's, what's the term I can't remember but you basically every time that uh, that the, you're in Europe like you know, adds to the, the inequality that exists you've seen that you know, in a lot of like it's happened in, in Luxembourg I think there's that club that because they went on one run, it's just basically meant they're topping money up the whole time because they keep going in Europe. And, and you can kind of, kind of similar to Dundalk in the League of Ireland as well. Um, I suppose that there is, for Livy, if you, they use that money wisely, if they were to make it, just get through one round, would be actually 
might be able to pay for things like a, a youth development academy and things like that. Yeah. Um, beyond that, a couple of things I noted from Celtic. Um, I think Forrest, you saw what he can offer, um, you know, and, and I, I think Rangers would have won the league regardless, but I think Celtic would have been much closer if Forrest had been available. They've just never really replaced that that directness and that, you know, on, on the right-hand side, you're someone who runs at defenders and yeah. consistently runs at defenders and doesn't give them a break. It's not like, you know, you've got players, everyone's got players like, can, like Frimpong that he ran at defenders. Forrest, it was like every time he gets the ball, he just goes at folk and mm-hmm. and he scores a lot of goals as well. But also, like, his directness was kind of a zigzag, if that makes sense. Well, so it's not, Frimpong was a bit like, I'm very fast and I'm going to run directly at you. Whereas Forrest is, runs were more angled, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and so it would be, it's a worry for me, certainly. I would very much like to have him in the Scotland squad for the summer. So I'm hoping that the injury was just a precaution um, and, and that, that he's, he's still fit. And then you know, say um, was two, two fantastic goals. They were the highlight of the game for me. They both finishes. I think he's a, I mean, I think he's a terrific player. But again, uh, uh, it's trying to work out what Celtic are trying to do here because you know, I think the I think they've been cost like is it six or twelve million? I can't remember if if they want to sign him. So he's not, he's not worth it either. Yeah, he's not worth he's not worth those sums. But at the same time, what's so why are you why are you playing him to inflate his goal reel for another club? Like it's it's all and the same with, I mean. I don't think I don't think Ralston's going to be your future right back, but I'd much rather be playing him than an Everton loanee as well. Just a very odd way of, that would just the club itself has just been run very oddly at the moment. I think and and that kind of everything sums it up, and especially you know the the leak about approaching how and then how's not maybe not into it as much and stuff like that. It just again it, it, everything Celtic do seem to be just walking into more disaster. Yeah, I think they need they need to just get get to the summer and get you know the new guy in and um, the the new CEO in and then everything from there because yeah they, they need a big overhaul. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think I think even then it's going to be too late. But for for trying to do anything next year, but still, uh, right. Anyway, thank you very much. That's us have done the, the six games. We are about to go and record a Patreon. Uh, the guys will be back on Thursday with another show. Don't know what that will be again on the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. There is a podcast a day going up at the moment. There's lots and lots of interesting stuff. I think today's one was a rewatching of the uh, Queen of the South Aberdeen semi final, um, which uh, was a horror show for Aberdeen fans. So I think that, that, that'll probably be quite, quite a fun uh, listen. Um, but yes, thank you very much for your time, Craig Anderson. Thank you, Duncan. And we'll all see you later on. Take care. Stay safe. Stay safe. I keep saying that. I'm getting it wrong. Stay safe uh, and take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.